This is Pastor Joseph Davis. Thank you for joining the radio ministry of Truth Gatherers Dream Center Church. We believe the Word of God is the lamp unto our feet and it is a light unto our path. This Word will bless you right now. This has been stewing in my spirit for some time for this week. It's also catching the baton from Prophet Pace who preached two weeks ago that we have been forgiven to forgive. We have been forgiven to forgive. And God put my footsteps right in the path of that message after he ministered what God had given him. God put me right in the path um, for this next message. In Luke 15, I want to read verses verses, um, 22 um, to 32, I believe. And um, after that, we'll just chat a little bit and preach a little bit as God would give us. All right. Verse Luke 15, verse 22 to 32. Also, um, I ministered also the week before Prophet Pace, and I ministered from the first few chapters, verses in the same chapter, and I'll revisit that in a second. But let's get focused. Luke 15, verse 22. It says, The Father said to his servants, I read from NIV, Quick, bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger. And sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of his servants and asked him, what's going on? He replied, your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry, refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you. Never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered his, your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened cow for him? He says, my son, the father, my son, the father said, you are always with me. And everything that I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. I want to preach, teach a little bit from the same topic that we've been on the series, We Are Those People. I want to use the focus today. My title is, We Are Those People Who Overcome Offense and Recover All. We are those people who overcome offense and recover all. Um, Luke 15 in its entirety is about recovery. 
in its entirety. It's about recovery. This is not the first parable that Jesus explains in Luke 15. Luke 15 starts out with talking about a shepherd going after sheep. He gives this illustration to people who are making accusations against Jesus, his authenticity, his heart, and he begins to give a parable about how much he cares for people. He describes the shepherd who has a missing sheep. So this first parable of restoration puts into place one of the key components of restoration and recovery. That is, in order to recover, you must be accountable. In order to recover, you must be accountable. It says that a shepherd had a hundred sheep and one of them got away. The only way he's able to go chase and find and look for the one missing sheep is because he counted all the sheep. Accountability starts first with inventory and counting what you have and what you are responsible for. Without the shepherd counting the sheep, he would not know that one of the sheep got away. Because sometimes you can get overwhelmed by all that you have that it may look good. It may look out in the pasture and say, all my sheep are there. But if you start actually doing record and doing inventory of all your sheep, then you're able to identify that one of them are, are, is missing. My point to understand restoration, it, it starts with understanding being accountable. He's accountable, and because he's accountable, he can go after that missing sheep. Well, I talked about it a few weeks ago uh, and described how God went and found us, and we were too weak to walk back on our own, and he put us on our, his shoulder and carried us back to the ark of safety. The first parable of uh, what it is to find something, but the next one talks about a woman who had lost some coins. Again, it repeats the same measure of restoration and how to find something that's lost. It lets us know that she had 10 coins, all right? And she was missing one of these coins. And it talks about another way to recover things is this woman um, don't just have to uh, go uh, look for it, but it says she cleaned the house. She, she cleaned up the house because sometimes when things are lost, you can't find it in the clutter. The only way that you can find what's been missing is you got to clear other things out the way. And sometimes when other things, when something is lost, other things has to have less priority. So by moving other things out of the way, you know, sometimes when you don't want to, uh, when you're looking for something, I can imagine a vase uh, was sitting on a desk, but because she's looking for the coin, she's going to actually pick up the vase and move it to the side. There are times in your life to find what's missing you actually have to start cleaning up some things you're not going to find it with all the clutter and all the mess you got to get organized to get your life back you got to get organized to get your emotions back in right setting you got to move things out of the way she moves and cleans the house and it also says she turns on the light 
It's hard to find what you're looking for in the dark. You need the light. The light also represents sometimes you need new knowledge. Light represents enlightenment. The Bible says at the entrance of thy word there is light. So sometimes you need new perspectives just to find what's missing. Wonderful story of restoration. But then this final story that Jesus tells is about a father that I want to make sure you're keeping up properly has two sons. It says this father had two sons. I don't believe we meant to do any injustice here as a body of Christ. Not just this church, but as a body of Christ. I don't think we meant to do any injustice here. But we've only focused on one son. We've only focused on one son. We focused on the son who walked away from the house and then came back to the house. And it's not that the church should not be excited about evangelism and restoration and this thing shows the love of God. But tell somebody there were two sons. There were two sons. There's two sons. There are families who suffer all the time because people, everybody's not counted. People are overlooked and, and people are not considered important. And if we're not careful, we'll do this text of injustice to only read up to the story of the party and not go down to the rest of the story because there is another son. There is another son. And we must count this other son. But I, one of the things I, I must repeat to understand restoration and love that is mentioned in the, uh, the son, the prodigal son who went away, is many times when you are dealing with a relationship, um, just like in the prodigal son, we learn from the father that love, I want to teach this as I'm moving, love, say love also lets go. Yeah, love also lets go. One of the greatest challenges sometime in life is when you love somebody and while you are loving them, you have to let them go. I ain't talking about when you don't love them because some of us only know how to let people go when you decide you hate them. When you, I can't stand you more, I can't stand your breath, I can't stand your look, I can't stand your smile and then it becomes easy to let them go because you are angry. But the father lets the son go. And it doesn't mean that he's in agreement with the son. Some of us, if we're not careful, we become manipulators with our love. Because he teaches us in this text that although it's really not the father's good will for this son to walk away because he asked for his inheritance before his daddy died. You don't go up to your grandma and ask grandma what you got in the will for me. And she said, boy, I'm going to give you this house. She said, and then you respond, I want it today. <laughs> it's an insult to be asking for what's in the will before the time. Tell somebody, wait a little bit, it's coming to you. But the son wants it now and the father say it's yours even though it ain't time to give it to you I give it to you although I want, didn't want you to walk away from this Although I wanted to see you in the house for a little bit Although I'm in disagreement with what you're about to do because
because I truly love you love can't manipulate you I love you but I can't make you do something you don't want to do I can't force my standards on you although my standards are right and then when you are adult or a mature person you cannot spend your time talking about I can manipulate you because I love you come on you can the father shows us that there are situations I let you go because you wanted to go I know some of y'all master in holding people against your will but truth of the matter is after a while you don't want to be holding nobody hostage who really don't want to be here I'm going to keep preaching it. I'm that type of pastor. I believe that we should shepherd right. I believe I should love people. I believe I should live right. I believe I should teach right. I believe I should do what God's called me to do. Come on. I believe I should teach and explain and all that. But after all it's said and done, the people who come here decide they don't want to be here. I honor your decision that you don't want to be here. Now, I really want you to be here. I'm trying to make this church the best church you've ever been to. But if you decide that you don't although I'm in disagreement with it I still honor that you have a decision and you have a choice what is this that happens in churches that when people voluntarily decide to join a church they can also voluntarily not to be a part of a church what is this that we disrespect people's choices even when we don't agree with them what is this and what I love about the story is we see clearly later on I, that the shepherd didn't love them no less because they left. See, that's when your love is perfected. Because this is what I teach and I believe it's here. And I say it all the time and I'm not, matter of fact, I won't. Let's get this clear. Because some people think they be hearing stuff when I be preaching stuff. Like pastor know about that situation. I'm just preaching. I'm preaching principle. So to be clear, I want all y'all to stay. To be clear, I want all y'all to stay. Matter of fact, next Sunday, no, no, stay. S-T-A-Y. Thank you. I want to be clear. To be clear, I want all y'all to S-T-A-Y. I can spell a little bit. When I can't pronounce, I can spell. I want all y'all to stay. Matter of fact, I want you to stay so bad. Bring five people with you next Sunday. All right? So to be clear, I want you all to stay. I want you all to stay. Because I live under the same principles. I don't want to pastor anybody that don't want to be here. No, no, no. No, 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 no. I love you enough to respect your choice that if you don't want to be here, guess what? I don't want you to be here because if I got people in our church that don't want to be here, they end up sometime infecting or toxicating other people who want to be here. So if you got a situation, I'm going to preach about it, we'll work through the situation. I'm not trying to say everything's perfect, but I'm saying we can work through it. I'm not saying there are things we can't tweak and make better, but we can work through it. But at the end of the day, if you don't want to be here, I'm not throwing off on anybody. Don't think I'm throwing off. Don't think I'm in this pool here trying to handle a situation that I should be handling in private. I'm preaching principle and I'm preaching doctrine. People think, oh, he getting that situation. I ain't getting nothing. They were like, well, Pastor, dealing with it. I told you he knew, girl. I'm just preaching. And you should live by those principles as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
you know, you know, I believe my wife is the prize. She the catch. Oh yeah, I believe my wife is the catch. You know, yeah, yeah. If you don't clap, that's fine. Yeah, that's okay. I wasn't gonna get mad because you didn't. I'm still going home because I know where I'm supposed to be. Huh? I believe my wife is the catch. Her daddy told me so when I went to ask for his hand, her, his hand, her hand in marriage, and he let me know so. And in the same breath, when he was telling me she was the catch, I let him know I was the catch too. <laughs> Come on now, don't forget now. Not only is she somebody, but I'm somebody too. As a matter of fact, because I am somebody, that's why I want to marry her. And if she wasn't somebody, that see, you, y'all ain't hearing me. What I'm trying to say is, I love myself enough. <laughs> that I wouldn't want to be with somebody who didn't want to be with me. We can work through something. I'm going to preach. I'm coming through it. We can work through something. We can go to counseling. We can work through it. We can get it out. But at the end of the day, you got to decide you want to be with me. Yeah, we can improve on something. We can work through something. But at the end of the day, you got to decide you want to be with me because if you don't want to be with me, I have to honor that you don't want to be with me. I may even have to go to counseling myself and get healed because I'm still attached to somebody who don't want to be with me. But I'd rather get healed from somebody who don't want to be with me than to spend the rest of my life with somebody who don't want to be with me. Come on, somebody. I'm trying to preach. You cannot keep putting people in a headlock and thinking you're going to make them love you. They got to choose to love you. They got to choose to respect you. They got to choose to honor you. So the father, while still loving him, let him go. Want to help that? I got to say it that way. Because some of us only know one gear. One gear. I love all the way when you're with me. And when everything ain't with me, you a straight enemy. You got one, two gears. You got to have some more room in your life. That if it just, they don't want to be there, you don't work through it, they don't want to be there. Can't force nobody to be there. Can't hold nobody hostage. Love does not bully. Love does not bully. Church has been accused of that as too. Too, love does not bully. You don't bully. You can't bully somebody into forcing, manipulating love. God doesn't even do that. God lays down the whole uh, stratosphere and atmosphere for love. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave. He established a way. But he then gave you your own free will. And if you decide you don't want to love God with your free will, He'll keep trying and he'll keep trying, but God don't be forcing nobody. You don't wake up in the morning and say, I love God and I'm mad about it. I don't know why I love him. I don't know why I love him. I don't even like him. I just woke up this morning and I just love God. I don't even know how, how I love him. I can't stand him. I don't even believe in him. That ain't the case. No one wakes up in the morning and all of a sudden the love of God is just in their hearts. No, you have chosen to love him. God is sovereign, but God ain't going around making people love him. God ain't going around making people love him. 
He going around forcing people. God is sovereign and yet he's not forcing love. He, is, he creates, I got to say this because I got to make it right. He creates an atmosphere to be loved. But he's still not for, I got to say that, you know, because some people like, I ain't going to comb my hair, but you going to still love me. I ain't going to brush my teeth, but you still going to love me. You know. I ain't going to take care of myself, but you still going to love me. You about to create some atmosphere of some love. I ain't going to pay no bills. But you still going to love me. You about to create some atmosphere for this stuff. You know, the people just like, I ain't doing nothing. I want to see that love, let's go. But if we don't go further in the story, we won't see really how full restoration happens. There's something specific in this same chapter of Luke 15 that the prodigal son says that is key to his brother. He says, I will go home to my father. I'm just going to pick it up out the scripture. I will go home to my father and I will say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. Many times in offense and in restoration, we don't understand that there are actually classifications of sins and offenses. Meaning, if you only offended God alone, then you only have to worry about reconciliation with God. But if you offended God and somebody else, you can't just get up and say, I ain't saying apology to nobody else. I repented to God. And if I repented to God and he forgiven me, you can't say nothing. You are in error. There are not just sins against God, but there are also sins against mankind. And then there's another classification again is sin against the Holy Spirit. But if you have sinned against God, you owe God repentance. You owe God a confession of sin so Jesus can wash your blood. But some people only major in uh, saying sorry or apologizing to God. But when they hurt other people, they tell them, I ain't got to say nothing to you because God has forgiven me. You are in the wrong. You are in the wrong. Now that God has forgiven you, you have to also talk to your brother or sister or the person that you have offended and help and deal with that situation. So even as God restores this prodigal son, I'm moving, I got to set the foundation. This prodigal son, he, he restores him. And I want to say to you that the prodigal son is actually in a restoration plan. The restoration is not over when he puts the ring and the robe and the shoes on his feet. He's, it's not over. It's the beginning of restoring what was lost. There are other things that need to be. Matter of fact, I, I read in the story. Let's go here. Look, I feel like teaching and preaching. Come on, y'all. Might as well, y'all almost here. Um, so help me find this, find this verse. I will say, I will rise, go to my father. Verse 18 and 19. I might as well do it like I feel it. Luke 18 and 19. I'm showing you why he is in a restoration program. Verse 18 and 19 says, he says, as the prodigal son, I will arise, go to my father. I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. Heaven before thee. And here it is, verse 19, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of the high servants. This is why he's in a restoration program. Because he lost himself in his sin. He lost part of his identity. And although the father has restored him back into position, but now the father has to clean up all the stuff that he's been a part of. Oh, God. See, if you ever been entangled, 
See, y'all ain't never been entangled. Y'all ain't never been entangled with nothing. And although you repented of it, now you got to deal with the memories of it. Oh, y'all ain't never sinned. I, I don't know how you got saved because you ain't never been sinned. Oh, I don't even know how y'all got saved because only sinners get saved. So I don't even know how y'all got saved. Huh? That although he has forgiven you, you have to deal with the impact of what you've been dealing with. Ain't saying nothing. I know I ain't supposed to have these thoughts, but Lord, help me with these thoughts. I know I ain't supposed to be thinking this way. I want you to understand that this guy is home. He's covered in the blood. He's a restoration project in motion, but he's still dealing with what he was attached to. So I want you to think it's just over because he's just back home. Tell somebody I'm still recovering. Oh, don't be ashamed to say it. That's what's wrong with some of us. We act like everything is all is well and we hate to be in a season or a time or months or years where you are still in recovery. Sometimes it takes more than just one shout and one dance and one altar call and one counseling session to overcome what you've been through and the trauma that you experienced and what you've dealt with in your childhood or in your marriage. Sometimes you got to keep going and and keep going it's like a form of discipleship it's like a form of bible study you got to keep going until god fully renews your mind and finally recovers you that you're never you're no longer haunted about what you used to be matter of fact you so no longer haunted by it that you can testify about it one of the real reasons and ways you know you have fully overcome what you have come out of is you can testify about it come on somebody because when you be I ain't saying nothing because when you've been a part of certain things one of the things that happens to us is called embarrassment and called shame yeah me and the lord knows what i ain't telling nobody but when you get real free and you feel good about yourself i don't care what you know because i'm still gonna be who i'm gonna be i'm gonna go where i'm gonna go i'm gonna i ain't trying to fake that i already said i ain't trying to fake like i ain't got no pass i got one So this man is actually in recovery and God is delivering him. Tell somebody I say I'm in recovery. Just say I'm in recovery. But back to where I'm going. We have an accusation to the family, to the church that all we do is dance about the people who come home. But we got another situation here. We got another brother who's at the house and this brother is offended. He's offended. And we wouldn't know that he's offended unless the father threw the party, the servant went and told him what was going on and all of a sudden, offense set in. Sometimes offense set in from actions unintended to harm anyone but somebody had a different perspective of what was done it was nothing aimed at the other son it was a celebration for a son who was lost and is now found but in the midst of the party and this is where the church and many of our lives have not been good at because all we can do is celebrate but we are no good at reconciliation what we actually do is we celebrate harder 
to ignore the things we need to work on. We just celebrate harder versus the things we need to slow down, take the time that it takes to build relationship, figure out where people are, have a meeting, have a discussion, but no, sometimes the church is guilty for another clip track. And as a church, and I ain't got nothing against one, we got a few of them here. Keep playing them, Brother Bobby. You're doing good, sir. But the church has to be not just a church that has celebrations, but there are things that happen in the life of the members, happen in the body, that if the church is going to be whole, what would it be, listen here, for the father to lose one son and he come back home and then lose the other? What is it for us to gain five members one Sunday and lose two the next? Gain ten one Sunday and lose nine the next? What is it to keep gaining and losing? What is it? Somewhere we got to learn the skill of both bringing people back and keeping people in. <laughs> the skill of bringing people in, keeping people in. He sees his son and his son has an offense. I want you to know it's what the father begins to do. Look at verse 25, I think. The other son's in the field. As he came nigh, he drew nigh to the house, heard music and dancing. He called one of the servants and said, what's going on in the house? He said, your brother has come. His father has killed a fatted calf because he received him safe and sound. And he was angry. The celebration became a trigger. What? And he would not go in. Sometimes you can see a little bit of the indications of offense when people start withdrawing themselves. It said the celebration was going. He should be at the celebration. And it was like, where is so-and-so? Where is so-and-so? Now we got to be careful. Let me pause. I got to pause to teach. Because sometimes, because we like to major in discernment, and especially we don't got a hold of a little gossip. We try to figure out why people ain't there. And that becomes real dangerous. Oh, they ain't here. You know, be careful now with that. Even, oh, in my spirit, I'm okay with that at first. But that ain't good enough. We got to do more than just discernment. The Father's going to show us what we're going to do. We can't just sit there, oh, I discern it in my spirit. That's okay. But what else we going to do besides discern? Oh, I know why they ain't here. She been mad for two weeks. I know why he ain't coming. It's, it's not enough just to be making speculation about why somebody didn't show. Sometimes it is an indicator. Sometimes it's an indicator because when you offend it, you withdraw. He would not go in. He said, ain't going in there. What am I going in there for? He had an attitude. He came angry. What am I going in there for? We say in these, these days and times, he got in his feelings. I ain't going there. What I'm going on there for? He said, that's a celebration for your brother. Psst. Mumbling on his breath probably. But look at where verse 28, and he will not go in, therefore came his father out and entreated him. See, somebody has to make a move towards reconciliation. You can't be sitting there talking about discerning my spirit. Have your discernment led you to any actions? I'm picking up in my spirit what's going on. Have you made a phone call? Say, hey, sister, I haven't seen you in a while. 
is everything okay? And I'll just say to you all, because we got a church full of prophetic people and we're not backing away from being prophetic. But prophetic is not an excuse not to be practical. Instead of always jumping out in the spirit, hey sister, how are you? Well, I picked it up in my spirit. Just hold what you picked up. Before they can answer, just hush and ask them, how are you? How about do something practical and listen? The father goes out and treats him because the, the father is showing us. Now, I want you to show the parallel. I got to pray for me today. I'm in this thing bad. Now, I want to show the parallel. I want to show the parallel here. One son leaves. The father doesn't go after him until he's coming home. I want you to catch it. He said, Dad, I want to leave. Oh, son, son, son. He said, all right. When he sees him coming home, he goes after him. Here's another situation of the other son. He's offended. He doesn't wait for the offended son to come to him. When you find out that somebody is offended, when you find out and you become knowledgeable that because he was he would he received knowledge it wasn't a guess the service of your son ain't coming or he also had the indicator of missing his presence but he used it as an opportunity to go out to him and entreated him we can't sit there somebody has to take an action of engagement for restoration for healing we can't sit there I'm serious the church gets so prophetic we are not practical we, 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 we don't know how to do some basic stuff like saying how are you before you prophesy to me today ask me how I'm doing before you tell me what thus says the Lord ask me how I'm feeling come on you haven't seen me in two months say hello He will not go in. And the, under, and the son, he will not go in. Father came out. That's what the Bible says. That's one of the scriptures says here. Matthew 25, write it down. Matthew 25. Matthew 25. Be good. Matthew 25, 23, 26. Just write it down. But it says that if you hear that somebody has an offense against you, it says that you ought to leave your sacrifice at the altar. If you know that there's an offense or you think that there's an offense, the Bible says that you're supposed to actually put your gift, leave it on the altar. What that means is you are saying that the situation is not bigger than my need to worship. The situation is not, because we'll make circumstances with people bigger than my need to worship. Because the Bible says, as long as there's a situation, your gift is sitting at the altar. And he says, you can't even offer up your gift of sacrifice until you go and deal with that offense. See, we trample over basic stuff. We come over here and shout and dance and holler and scream and know we got offenses against people. Can I be honest with you? To be honest, for me to preach and to teach with an anointing and clarity on my life, there has to be no known offenses on my life when I get up here to teach and preach. I have no, at this time, I have no known offenses. Yeah. No known offenses. 
I have clearance to preach and to teach. Come on. I don't get up here and offer my sacrifice to God through teaching and preaching and have my relationships all out of whack and have my family all out of whack. Come on, somebody. And this is what's happening and why we're losing respect for having integrity and having character because we worship and we got so many things that we don't address. Listen, I'm trying to finish. I'm trying. Verse 29, he answered and said to him, I don't went back to King James Version. He was angry. He said to him, verse 29, he said to his father, Lo, these many years. You uh, see, he answered and said, Lo, to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee. And I like the NIV version because it says, These many years I've been slaving. See? You get offended, your terminology change. You can hear the offense in their words sometimes. At one time, they was a happy servant. But because they're offended, I ain't going up there today. I ain't going to that church. Let them find somebody else. Servant done went to slave. Because mm -mm, now they've been offended. But the father goes to him, and the, father, and the son is letting him know why he's offended. All these years I've served thee, neither transgressed thee at any time at thy commandment, and yet thou never gave me a kid that I might make me my friends. But as soon as thy son, who was come, who had devoured uh, uh, his living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. In other words, the son is saying, this ain't adding up. Just, sometimes people are offended, listen, because they just don't understand. How can I be here serving? And you tell me, serving with a good report don't equal a celebration. I've been here serving, and this brother come back home. He said, wait a minute, I'm trying to think. I'm over here serving and working, and when I hear music, I think it's my time. This is my party. Because I've been working hard. I just know I just know the balloons in that four years for me. I just knew that cake with that icing is for me. Somebody said it's red velvet. I know that's my cake. Why? Because I've been working hard. And I have not transgressed against you, Father. So in my mind, I just know my party. So how you mess up and get a party? Sometimes people are offended because they just don't understand what's going on. They don't understand. He said, this ain't math. This ain't making no sense. I need you to see sometime in reconciliation or offense, you have to slow down and explain the principle. This son is just not understanding. How can I serve and not get a party? And it also lets us know that people need to be appreciated. And I'm not saying or trying to insinuate that the father here don't appreciate his son. I'm just respecting what I hear from the son that's saying, all right, all right. Let's go to NIV. Let's go to NIV. Look at verse 29, NIV. Look at 29. Y'all gonna be all right. 29 NIV. He says, but he asked his father and said, look. In other words, do you see me? Do you see me? Look, I've been serving you all these years. Slaving. I was serving, but I switched to slaving. 
But this son come home, you threw him a party. Many times people are offended because, here it is, there are unspoken expectations. The father probably saying, well, I didn't know you wanted a party. I didn't know that one of the requirements of serving was to throw you a party. Sometimes when you're offended, you need to go ahead and be honest and speak on your expectations. Because what we do, when we offended, somebody come to you and say, I'm sorry for a minute. Oh, you ain't feeling me. You ain't feeling me. I'm fine. No, you was offended. When we have an opportunity to inform people how we feel and how we think, we often back away from the moment to inform them how to respect or treat us. So we act like we are unoffendable. That we're not able to be offended. And the truth of the matter, all of us are able to be offended. Right? All of us are able to be offended. And, and, and it's important to communicate because sometimes you don't communicate your expectations. And I know the father didn't know potentially that his son had a, a I don't know if it was two months after work and he wanted to party. You know, I, come on now. You've been on a job before and you watching so and so ain't doing their job. And then somebody else get a promotion and you trying to figure out how, how being late not knowing your job equals a raise. And you're the one doing all the work and I trained them to do the job and they still ain't doing the job well. Those are the moments to speak up respectfully and educate people. This is what I'm feeling. See, many of us are not honest when somebody asks us about our feelings. We hide like we don't have any and we play like we superhero and superman and superwoman. I, I, I don't get hurt. The only people who don't get hurt is the people who don't love. It's the only people. Because once you decide to love, you also take on the potential risk to be hurt. That's the only people who never say, don't hurt me because you don't love nobody. That's easy. And when you see, keep telling me that, I'm going to stay away from you too. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you, this son is honest with his dad. His dad is able to come in and treat him and plead to him and talk to him. I want you to understand uh, the version I use to say is, Father, come out to plead with him. And again, I want you to say, sometimes you have to slow things down when you're talking to people when they're offended. So that's why it's good to get yourself together before you go talking to them. We don't need to know you from the Williams family and the Smith family and the Davis family. Because the Davis people, we don't play that. You're never going to have any progress bringing your ancestors into this fight. We the Davises and the Davises don't play that. The Davises get stuff straight. With that attitude, you ain't going to ever be able to get over and deal with the situation. You got to calm down. And it says the father pleaded with him. In other words, son, what's going on? I expect you to be at the party and you wasn't at the party. Are you okay? The son updates and said, no, I'm not okay. You throwing parties for people who blow everything. I don't get that. He said, well, this is how the kingdom works. When people almost lost everything, we celebrate when they come back. We celebrate. That's how we do it. He said, oh, okay, I didn't understand it. He said, as a matter of fact, he educated him. Let me pause and say something to the offender. I got to move. I feel y'all. I, I don't want to offend him today. So that pastor came there and preached. We danced for 30 minutes and he preached the hour. And then he had the nerve to look at, look at, look at us and say, be healed. 
But many times we don't understand how important to deal with this situation properly because you don't want to make it seem like we reward the behavior. We're not rewarding the behavior of the son that went out there and blew everything. We're, we're rewarding and celebrating his return. Sometimes people don't, don't, can't see that. No, we were celebrating his return. We're not celebrating the behavior that led him away. He's trying to understand how in the world we throw this party. Love did it. Verse 32. Verse 31. He said unto him, son, thou art with me and all that I have is thine. So that was the educational point. Sometimes when you're offended, this is the tough part. You got to be educated. Sometimes your lack of knowledge will keep you offended. Oh, you don't want to hear that? There's some people always offended. You know why sometimes you always offended? We always, we, some of us, any of us can get offended at any time. But if you're always offended, see, you can be offended and you could be wrong. You don't know the policy. We told you to go out there and read the policy. You keep thinking this is how the process goes, but the process don't go that way. The only reason you're offended is because you're done, you were not informed. And there are times there's a stubbornness to people who are persistently offended. That there are certain principles they will not accept. I'm telling you and I'm jumping in the text that if this son who is offended don't accept that we celebrate when people return, he's going to be offended again. Because guess what? When somebody else is returning, we throw in another party. Cause that's what we do in the kingdom. We throw in another party. That's what we do. But if you don't accept that this is the way things work, you're going to be offended again. Sometimes if you're persistently offended, it's the lack of being educated, groomed, and trained. I'm just going to think the way I want to think and I'm going to be mad every time it happens. Let it happen again. Boom, it happened again. You mad again. Sometimes you got to go educate yourself, find out what's really going on, and accept new ways of principles of truth because everything going to happen the way your mind thinking. And this son cannot change a kingdom principle all because he don't like it. Oh, I'm trying to deal. Sometimes, I understand offense happens, but sometimes we deal with offense. Sometimes the person who's offended got to be careful. You may be dealing with stubbornness. God bless you. If that blessed your soul, we will love for you at your next opportunity to join us in worship every Sunday morning in Monticello, the Victorious Church at 8 a.m. or our Dream Center location here in Tallahassee at 10 a.m. We would love to have you and your family and we can't wait for you to join us at any of our locations. This is Pastor Joseph Davis. God bless you and join us again.